Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. Today, I have the one and only host of the Slavenly Trolls podcast, uh, graphic designer, <laughs> uh, and artist, and um, yeah, uh, one of uh, one of my favorite hosts of, of a wonderful, wonderful show. So, yeah, if you would like to introduce yourself, I am Lissa. I am a co-host. I am not the only host of the Slovenly Trolls podcast. You did in- interview Shardy, I think, before. So you say here. But on your show, we know. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then you called me out on it and you said <laughs> that my height is probably, what, three foot something because of the, my ego? <laughs> yeah. I am a troll. I am a troll. Yeah, yeah. But it's all in jest. Yes. I'm very yeah, excited yeah. to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, Lissa, um, obviously you're a part of that podcast. But where I always like to get started is how did you get into nerd stuff in general? How did I get into nerd stuff? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what you classify as nerd stuff. So I was very much into the Power Rangers when I was very small. Nice. Um, I used to love watching that, apparently. Like, I have no explanation for that. I don't even remember doing it, but I'm rewatching it now. <laughs> and I can tell you, it's amazing when the Green Ranger comes in. I just thought, uh, stopped uh, recording. Um, right before I came here on the Cave yeah. Trolls, our other podcast. Yeah. And I was just talking about it and hyping it up so much that um, apparently now I'm talking about it again. Uh, <laughs> and then me into my teenage years, you, I was into stuff like Charmed, uh, stuff about witches, fantasy books. I think books was a big thing, specifically mm-hmm. fantasy books. And I think a big influence for me was my friends. So the people that were I chose around me, we would spend our lunch hours in the library because that was the place to be. Like other people would go uh, to the playground. Other people would go to classrooms, hang out. We would go to the library and we would talk about books and TV shows and what we were reading. And we had, at some point we were doing like role play on forums and we had this role playing book as well that we passed around and you would like have this character created and then you would like interact with the other people and then we'd pass on the book to another person and they would like interact with your character kind of thing so a lot of different nerdy kind of stuff i think i was always a nerd and then uh, as i grew up i just embraced my inner nerd and uh my friends around me and the people around me just fueled the inner nerd in me and i was too dumb to say no so here we are (laughs) yeah but now being a nerd is a cool thing so Mm. it's not so bad (laughs) i mean i like being a nerd it's who i am so same yeah i mean that's super awesome so you know where did you grow up so it's a long story um i was born in finland yeah and when I was three years old, uh, we moved abroad because my fa- of my dad's job. So I grew up in Southeast Asia, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I, I went to middle school there, uh, elementary school, then I went to middle school, and then I went to high school in China, in Beijing. Wow. So I'm an international school kid. It yeah. uh, explains the accent, which is <laughs> a, why a lot of people ask me, like, are you American? And then when I say no, they're like, are you Canadian then? I'm like, no, <laughs> also no. Um, but I have the international school accent. Um, yeah. And I, I say that I'm not typical Finnish, but uh, who, who even knows if, if that means anything? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So I, I'm, I'm always curious because I remember, I remember when I was a kid. And like listening to other people from other countries speak 
English. And it was always like, oh, well, why do they use an English accent? And it was like, well, you're talking about somebody from, for instance, uh, India, right? And so Mm -hmm. it was like, well, they learn it from people from England, not Americans. Uh, And so, yeah, because I don't feel like you have like a British accent. Um, But I'm curious, like when you were learning English in school in China, what was there a specific kind of accent that was used or a phonetic base? Um, so a lot of the teachers that came to these international schools, they would give opportunities to teachers from the state specifically, I think. Okay. You had teachers from all around. So you did have teachers who were, um, you know, mainland Chinese or from Taiwan or from other places as well. But there were a lot of, um, sort of expat teachers who came from the States to, and then they bounced around these different international schools around Asia. And yeah, so a lot of my teachers were American. Um, My school, certain schools there that I went to, they didn't allow um, like mainland students to go in. So you had to have like an international um, passport or one of them had to be international so there were a lot of like half american half something else students or fully american or um and other nations as well yeah uh but yeah the teachers were there were american teachers there were american students and then i think the curriculum that we were doing was very based on i think the standards of the american system i guess yeah um, I don't know what that means. I just know <laughs> what I experienced, but um, I'm just gonna apologize I, for you if, <laughs> if you're Americans. If if you were given American standards, then I'm just gonna say sorry because <laughs> yikes. Yeah, but yeah, it, there was a lot of influence from that, and I think for me, I think pronunciation specifically. Like if we if we take a look at that, like I've done some deep thinking about like why i have an american accent i watched a lot of american tv shows like charmed and stuff and i was also in choir and i think being in choir really or just singing in general really made my pronunciation like that because the kind of music that i was listening to i would imitate how the american singers would sing their songs and Mm -hmm. how they would pronounce the words and then yeah. I would repeat that. So I think yeah. that specifically was something that uh, changed the way that I pronounced words specifically. Because mm-hmm. I would like l- pinpoint exactly how they pronounced that word. Yeah. And then I would copy it in the song. And then by the time I realized I had an American accent, it was too late. And there was no going back. <laughs> There's no going back. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever lived in the U.S.? I've never lived in the U.S. I've been there once uh, okay. a few years ago. Uh, we yeah. went there with my family and we went to Atlanta Yeah. and drove down from Atlanta to Florida. And then we went to Universal Studios. Nice. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. So how did you end up meeting Sade then? So I came to university to do my undergraduate in the U.K., Okay. And she came here to do her master's degree, which she loves to talk about. <laughs> her master's degree in writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we met through a mutual friend uh, mm. who is my roommate uh, now and was Sharday's roommate at the time. And, or for a while. And yeah, so Sharday and, and this mutual friend, they were they met through like D and D. Okay. They joined an anime club from what I remember. And they met through that and then they decided to set up their own D and D uh group. Yeah. And then because I was friends with the mutual friend, uh she asked the age of questions of what do you know about D and D? And I was like, well, not a whole lot. Like, I've, I've heard the name, but... And then she pitched it to me as, uh, do you like fantasy? Do you like stories? Do you like role-playing? Do you like Lord of the Rings adventures sort of stuff? 
because that's one of the things we bonded on. And I was like, well, yeah, those sound really good. And, you know, like you didn't even have to pitch it that hard to me. Yeah. Um, as soon as you say fantasy anything, game, hanging out with people, it sounds fun. Yeah. Um, so I got invited to my first uh, sit-in taster session, I guess you could call it. Mm. So they were playing, they'd already started a campaign. And had been playing for, I think, around a month, maybe a few weeks. Okay. Uh, and I went in. I didn't know any of the other people there. There were two other people, including the DM, and Shirley was the DM there. Mm -hmm. And it was her campaign. I sat in, and they were drinking moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't understand anything that was going on. Yeah. I couldn't tell you like i joined the campaign eventually i could not tell you what they were doing i couldn't tell you who these people were they were playing characters they were talking to each other there was descriptions of the place they were in and i had no idea i was so in over my head you know when you're like just processing everything like a sponge or just like sponging everything up yeah i just sat there in like complete silence watching these people interact with each other and it was like the slow-mo like montage of me sitting there and people are like laughing and hands are like doing gestures and then they describe what they do and the things that they say and what, the, what their character does and i came out of that and i was very confused but i'm like they they had a lot of fun mm -hmm. there was so much laughter in that one session that i did not understand what was going on but they were having so much fun Maybe I can be part of that, and maybe I can yeah. have that much fun. Yeah, and then, awesome. yeah, I joined that campaign and was forced to play D D. <laughs> and then I joined another campaign immediately afterward. And then three years later, here we are. Yeah, yeah. And so, with that first campaign, that was fifth edition, correct? Yeah, I've only played okay. fifth edition. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and now you know so much more about all the other editions. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> through our research, is, yeah, right, yeah, through all the research, yeah, that's super cool. So, I mean, you know, when you were getting into it, I think I imagine having like Charday bring you into the game, you know, through her lens as the as the DM, you probably avoided a lot of stuff. But like, when do you think that you noticed issues within D and D? Whether it was like sexism or um, racism, things like that. Um, I, I would probably say it was through Charday and through my or our mutual friend. I'll just yeah. call her my roommate for now. Yeah. Um. So the way that the, like even even as I got into the group, uh, the way that the group formed because we have two campaigns still uh it's the two same people dm um in my circles and then we they play in each other's games okay um the way that the two groups formed and the how these people got together was because uh Charday and my roommate had played in a campaign in um in our university and got a really bad experience through that mm -hmm. And it and it was like the interpersonal relationships outside of the game that kind of yeah. fell through, and because it was a mixed game as well, and like I th I don't know if it was subconsciously, but we ended up being an all female group of D and D players. Okay. Um, and so it was when I joined, it was already sort of very clear that the group had bonded together because of the difficulty in the intermixed group that they'd just come out of. Yeah. And because that hadn't worked, they set up their own game and were like, okay, we're going to play our own game with different rules, with a different setting. And maybe subconsciously, because it was all women, uh, it was like a safer area because mm -hmm. of the interpersonal relationships uh, in the mixed group that had um been the reason that it all broke down so going into it it was already immediate that i mean already and like the nerd the nerd groups uh 
like nerd women already know what they're getting into. Yeah. We if you're a nerd and you're a feminine presenting, you know how masculine like nerd groups appear to be or how yeah. they like upkeep that masculinity mm-hmm. and toxic masculinity, I guess. Yeah. In a different way and I did some research prior to our setting up or during our uh when we were starting our podcast i did some research into kind of the toxic nerd culture and why it is that the way that it is Mm -hmm. and there are some really fascinating things like once you start looking into it like why people suppose and the psychology behind why it might be set up like that Mm -hmm. which is really interesting but yeah i don't know It, it it was sort of inherent i guess to answer your question, yeah. that there was always going to be something very masculine about D&D, but because we played with feminine presenting and we were all cis, um, so it was, yeah, I don't know. It was It was like a comfortable environment and we could test out things that we wanted to test out without fear of being judged by anyone else yeah Yeah, i think that's so important i I mean it's good you know that that was kind of uh the first experience for you but yeah you're right so many people go through in one way or another just kind of this like uh coming up against a wall of of some kind of of bigotry in gaming where it's like oh yeah this is a this is a problem. Um, and some people come up against it and, and don't even realize that it's a problem. And that's, and that itself is a problem. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cool that you had that experience and that, and that safety in your first group to be able to like, know it's there, but also have a feeling of like, okay, well, what we're doing is comfortable and safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you know, so, you guys have two different campaigns now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What What are your, your players like in each of those games? Like your PCs, rather. Our player characters. You specifically, characters. yeah. Of me. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I started off, I think, I think starting off playing D&D, you really pinpoint some things about yourself when you make your first two few characters. Yeah. Uh, very... Uh, pro-feminist hero uh very like against misogyny mm-hmm. uh kind of dramatic but i played specifically melee characters so there is like and i did talk to like a we did a talk discussion through the podcast with like a sex therapist and she was talking about how how your playable character is a version of yourself and how when she started talking about like if you play like a melee character and there's this like masculine side of you mm-hmm. and that just opened up a whole can of worms with me because i my first <laughs> two i played a uh a, a tiefling monk in my first yeah. one you know edgy tiefling monk kind of thing yeah. and uh my second one was a half-orc barbarian so yes. uh, yeah. i just wanted to smash things in um yeah many ways and so yeah that just it was so interesting to see that so then once i realized from my first two characters that i was like falling into this like melee kind of masculine i guess uh character very like in in their own ways they were still feminine but they had masculine sides to them i wanted to see more of what it was like to play a magic caster mm-hmm. so now i am i made a, a druid i'm playing a druid child who is a circle of the spores yeah and she is the epitome of chaos and i <laughs> live to play her each day or each yeah. session rather i roll for her spells so she picks random spells each day like I never prepare them. I have like a I've numbered them and then I roll like a a few d12s uh, yeah. for her spells each day. And uh, <laughs> I now the newest uh, Kusharde just started her new campaign. For that, I made a bard, 
who is a rich noble bard who is emotionally unavailable but has a sugar daddy. <laughs> nice. And uh yeah, now I'm just I'm just going all out being, you know, playing the ultimate like fun characters that I would have fun with. Yeah. Just for the escapism, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny. I think like you like you said once we start the game, it's always like what immediately appeals to you um and like i was i'm one of those people who's like the first time i played was like oh yeah like i read the ranger and i was like Mm -hmm. of course of course that's what i'm gonna yeah you're telling me i can mix aragorn and legolas into one character oh yes yes yes, yes. and have a wolf as a pet oh my god yeah (laughs) no brainer yeah this is no brainer um and so yeah anytime i find myself like if somebody invites me to a game i'm like i guess i could just make a make a ranger and I have to like consciously tell myself, like, you've played a ranger so many times. Do something else. <laughs> Try something different. Be a little zany. And so my last two characters that I played have been uh spellcasters. And mm. that's been fun. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. But I did a blade singer, which is like, you know, I did I did spells, but I also fought uh in melee yeah. combat. And then uh and then now I have a in my Pathfinder 2 game, I have a sorcerer who um, will be multi-classing as a wizard. And oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Because I have, yeah. like, high charisma, so I can, like, be super smart, but also do all of the um, <laughs> <laughs> all the talking for the group. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun mix. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's, it's a good – I think it's a good blend, and it's such a good way, like you said, to just kind of explore those things mm. um, mm-hmm. about ourselves and, like, different themes and, like, what is it like to actually be uh, in this person's shoes? Uh, yeah. And I've talked about this before, but like for me growing up, and I mean, there's multiple reasons why I did this and why like masking was a thing for me, but like mm-hmm. I used to learn behaviors a lot through books. And I'm curious, like as a person who loved fantasy and stuff, do you feel like you ever like picked up on uh, like behaviors, personality traits, et cetera, through characters that you've found in in books or media i think i did um i didn't really follow i know some people look to kind of celebrities and what Mm. those people do i was never really interested in that and i think reading through fantasy and seeing sort of how the female hero which was like what I would focus on. Like I would very much, yeah. I went into like the female protagonist kind of fantasy mm-hmm. um, and how they acted and how their journey went. I think that did have an impact on how I built myself and how I ended up as with my first few D&D characters, like being very, like a... A, a heroine but like a, having like a masculine side to them because that's what i pictured like an adventurer to be yeah so i don't know maybe that's something to do because i always admired i think one of the things that brought me into movies as well was uh watching angelina jolie play lara croft yeah. and i thought that was the coolest thing i'd ever seen <laughs> because i wasn't allowed to watch uh action movies when i was small because they had yeah. the age ratings, and my mom was very specific <laughs> about me not watching things that were out of, uh, if I was not of the age, that yeah. I would be taken out. Like, I, I literally was stopped from going into a movie theater at a birthday party because my mom came and said, you're not allowed to watch Britney Spears' Crossroads because you're underage. Well, everybody else was still also underage, but they all went in the movie theater, and I had to go oh, home. No. <laughs> that sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> But yeah. uh yeah, I think I think books have um an impact on who you build yourself up to be. And yeah. I think movies and books specifically and how you build yourself and your personality. Yeah. Yeah, I think too, like anytime I could link it to like the trait or action, whatever was described and what it would cause was also described in the book that like really helped me a lot 
Um, cause I remember like when I was in my freshman year of high school, like I had zero confidence. Um, and I had a hard time with eye contact and I was reading this book, this fantasy book, and it was like this prince who had been abducted and turned into like a servant or whatever. Like he had to do like pearl mining. Um, mm-hmm. and they kept trying to, um, these people were trying to keep him safe and they're like, you need to stop acting like a prince. And he would like stare, like he would look at people in the eyes, which he wasn't supposed to do. And he mm-hmm. would like stand up straight and have like a good, like confident demeanor. And I was like, mm-hmm. I wonder if this actually works. And so I would like start to do that around school. And it was like, yeah, it actually worked. Um, yeah. And it was kind of, it was, yeah, it was, it was really interesting to see. Um, and you know, I, it's not like a perfect thing, right? Because I think we still have habits and and who we are. But it was it was definitely something like this helped me learn in at least specific situations. I can use this to get by, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's just mm-hmm. so cool that we can do that with you know characters either that we create or characters in books and stuff like that. Um, and role playing lets us explore that a lot too, which I think is super yeah. Super fun. Yeah. So because you weren't allowed to watch movies based on their age range, when did you watch? Or have you watched the Lord of the Rings movies? I have watched the Lord of the Rings movies. And those came when I was a teenager. Then finally, like, of age. Um, I can't remember what the age rating is. But I'm pretty sure I watched them at the, a friend's house. Okay. Um, so that's where my mom had no control no control over yeah. <laughs> what i was watching including tomb raider which yeah. was i was underage for and that was like the first <laughs> movie that was like the cool movie that i was allowed to watch and it was all cool because i wasn't allowed to watch it and then i did so you know mm-hmm. suck it yeah. um yeah i think lord of the rings i think i did watch with a friend um because that, that was one of the one of my best friends had the extended editions and then we made a point to watch all of them in the same day, <laughs> because obviously, yeah. Which I is... think I did. I did watch yeah. them individually. I think the first one at least. But then, when I really mm-hmm. got into it, was when I watched the extended editions specifically and all in a row. Yeah, that's a, that's a literally an all day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is an all day. <laughs> event yeah but it's a fun all day event yeah for sure no that's super cool i think um yeah it's it's always interesting just to kind of see like how that has uh uh affected us and stuff i remember watching each one as they came out on vhs uh because i'm that old and but we did i never saw any of them in the theater though um surprisingly but yeah Mm. it it was definitely like one of those things of, um, you know, Boromir scene is always the best. Yeah. Which I like, I've never actually read the books. I tried and I just didn't, I don't like Tolkien's writing style. Mm. So it's I never finished it. Interesting. But, I've, yeah. I, mm, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I wonder like how impact, cause I never hear people talk about like Boromir's death in the books. It's always like in the movies and how that impacted them. And so I'm curious, like yeah. if it just didn't have the same resonance because it didn't look so fucking cool, uh, <laughs> like it did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I don't know because that was that was in the second movie. I think it was the first one. First one. Was the first one? Because I've read the first book. I don't know. We're gonna get I'm torched to by remember... Lord of the Rings fans right now. I'm gonna edit all of this out. Yeah, I've only read I've only read the Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring. Um, I, I I always said that I would go and read the second two, but it took me so long to read the first one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is the first book because I think in the second yeah. book that's when they they go and meet Boromir's dad, right? Oh yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's yeah, because the the writing style is interesting. It's like when I read it, I remember thinking this is such cool information because he goes into such specific detail about not only the environment but he talks about like the heritage and the lineage of people and you feel like you're getting all this like outside information mm-hmm. that you feel so smart about yeah and you you're like connecting the dots of, to things that you didn't even know were connected 
Mm-hmm. But then also he goes on with like a lot of description of <laughs> the environment around him. And then you're like, well, can you, can you like get on with yeah. it? Like, like I, I know, I know, I know it's very pretty and I know what the hills look like and they're rolling and you know, there's mountains and things, but like, can you plot please? Yeah. Yeah. He just needed to give Peter Jackson all the, all the information he needed to make a uh, New Zealand into the Shire. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, art is a thing that you do. Um, when when did you start with that? Like, when did you pick that up? Um, I was always an artsy kid, I think. Yeah. Um, that was one of the few things that I was good at, mm-hmm. like, naturally. I got a natural talent for drawing. Yeah. Um, and I also i would recreate other people's drawings so i had this thing where i would copy um in finland we have donald duck as a cartoon Mm -hmm. and people read about what he does and the adventures he goes on and it's like a comic book that they re-release all the time every year okay and yeah i would i would recreate like the old donald duck comics i would draw him being you know when he fell into a pond and was like, he had a lily pad on his head and a frog on top of that. I would like recreate those in like this little notebook that I had. Yeah. And it was one of the things that also I think connected me to my grandparents. Cause my grandma was, um, she liked to paint porcelain. Okay. And so I would sometimes go with her and we would, you know, do, drawing or we would paint porcelain or you know paint a plate and then it would get like fired up and you know you had an actual plate that you did yeah kind of thing so yeah i don't know it it was always just part of part of me and then when i got into school it was one of the few things i was naturally good at because i was a very lazy student so if i wasn't naturally good at something i was obviously bad at something (laughs) because i didn't want to put effort into trying i'm the same way yeah i get it <laughs> so when i was naturally good at art you know i kind of gravitated towards that yeah um and then yeah i finished high school and i studied a few different things and, but i really didn't know what i was gonna do and then i accidentally got into like a program for layout design mm. and i was like you know because i'm artsy yeah that sort of makes sense and then a f- few years later, here and there, I now have a an undergraduate degree in graphic design and, um, yeah, doing artsy things still. So. Yeah, that's fun. Do you, do you still get the same satisfaction out of doing graphic design as, like, you know, drawing, et cetera, painting? Hey, y'all. It's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just you know go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe. Uh, follow leave a review if you can Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show and it is always greatly appreciated link is in the description thank you so much and back to the episode um i think it's different slightly well like i i always did start off with drawing and stuff but i think now more so I do less drawing and more stuff on the computer mm-hmm. because I'm interested or I have like this fascination with how technology can aid doing 
art. Yeah. And so a lot of the stuff I do is either like mixed media. So I will like do or combine kind of traditional and stuff on the computer. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am at this point is like trying to see what you can come up with when you combine the two. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Do you, do you still, uh, or do you at all like draw your own characters and stuff or your party members characters for, for your games? Um, so one of the things about drawing that I hated was I hated drawing people mm. and or humans. <laughs> so no, I don't, I don't usually go out of my way to <laughs> draw <laughs> humans Yeah, because obviously PCs are usually humanoid. Yeah. Um, and I just, I hate, I hate the pressure that it comes with drawing humans when it has to look realistic. Like you can get away with drawing a vase or a flower yeah. that is not up to standard because people can tell it's a vase or a flower. But when you draw a human and it's like, and it's wrong, <laughs> then it's really wrong. Like there's a bigger pressure to get it right. If you're drawing limbs and mm. fingers and eyeballs and mm. if it doesn't look correct, that I just hate, always hated drawing humans and I would stay clear of that. Yeah. Um, I have drawn one, which was we were assigned. This was like a homework assignment from uh, through D&D. We uh, one Christmas, we gave each other. We made characters of each other. Mm -hmm. um, and based on. So within our group of D&D players, we would create um, a character sheet for your friend based on their personality. Mm -hmm. So based on their personality, I was apparently, I was a dragonborn, I think. <laughs> I was a dragonborn bard. Yeah. And then you, we had the assignment to kind of draw what we were given when we after we'd gone over this like this character sheet and they would they'd done like spells and stuff and given you stats yeah um so i did draw that and people were very impressed but i i haven't really drawn anything else other than that because it was a homework assignment yeah yeah that's funny i mean i think it's yeah there's certainly like everybody has a specific thing like i I love drawing humanoids and stuff like that. Um, so mm -hmm. for me, that it makes it easier. Like if I'm just sketching, that's 90% of the time, that's what it's going to be. Um, but yeah, like try to get me to draw like a landscape or a background on a picture. And no, <laughs> you're not getting it. I'm sorry. It's like, yeah, you'll be lucky if there's anything in the background. Um, it's just because that's just not my thing uh yeah so yeah no i totally get it i think i think that's completely valid um <laughs> you know and if you want art there's yeah. plenty of artists out there you can you can uh commission so exactly <laughs> mm. yeah no that's super fun um well yeah so you know when it came to the show obviously uh you all talk about it on your show and and Charday talked about it when she was on but like um what has that been like for you just like since its inception and, and kind of like how it's grown um, since since it started? Well, now we make money off of it. <laughs> yeah. Which is the strangest thing, mm -hmm. I think, that is about it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's... It's weird. It's... Like, I love doing the research i love learning new things about dnd and i just i realized how little i knew about dnd and about the history of dnd when, yeah. when i do the podcast yeah and for me it's usually charday has some knowledge of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes and stuff that she's heard or seen on twitter or something mm -hmm. like that I think for me, it's opening up this uh, whole history and uh, background of D&D that I didn't even know existed. And it's always interesting to find out new things and to find that, you know, they took my culture and 
shoved it in there and uh, made her a BDSM goddess kind of thing. (laughs) And then you're just sitting there like, um, she was a virgin and uh, she was a goddess of not that, didn't have a whip, didn't have anything to do with that. And uh, yet there she is. Yeah. Their interpretation of it. And I'm like, um, not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, they did some wild stuff. Uh, that is for sure. But I mean, I think it's it's <laughs> what has been so great about it is like just the learning of it and just like you know, because I think I had a pretty like base knowledge of of some of the issues and much like other people, like you know, I think especially people who are marginalized, it was very there becomes a point when it's like, oh yeah, okay, I can start to see the problems now in this, uh, and. Yeah. Yeah, but when you really dig into it, like you two have done, it it really just shows like how bad it was. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm curious, like, does that learning all this stuff and like kind of seeing how it all started and where it's gone and everything, like, do you feel like that has at all damaged your relationship with the game, or do you feel like it has kind of emboldened it in a way? I feel like it has. I feel like I'm more appreciative of what Wizards of the Coast is doing now yeah. with the re-releases of some of the old editions and how they are going through it and picking out, you know, the bad things. And I think I'm more appreciative of where D&D is now, yeah. like how far it's come mm-hmm. compared to when you see where it started from. Yeah. When... It comes from, you know, whenever you create something that's from one point of view, and if it's if it's uh, in the States, it's mostly white men mm-hmm. who are middle-aged, you know, in the 70s, doing that work, you know, it's going to come from their perspective. And, you know, it's not a well-rounded product for yeah. anyone who's, a, who's coming from a different perspective and looking at it. So it's going to be problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it makes me just appreciate 5e which i played so much more because i know how bad it was i guess yeah, yeah. no i yeah i i can definitely see that i think it uh it really does show and i mean even like you know 5e has had its own issues and and a lot of that those changes have been mm-hmm. more recent than than uh initial but i think it you you're right like it's good to see the changes um, yeah, I have come from it, and I think also what it does is because the you know TTRPG space is growing, and you have more and more creators in the space who are looking at like I came up on Five E or whatever, um, mm-hmm. or D and D in general, and it's like okay, now we've we've watched, we've got we we have the opportunity to look at all these mistakes that have been made and avoid them in things yeah. that are being done in the future, and I think that's. Mm-hmm. That's super cool if people like, you know, obviously you have to take the time to learn the lesson uh, or else you'll make a yeah. mistake. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy seeing that part of it because I think that's so important to to what we get in the future. Um, and there are yeah. some amazing games coming out that are, you know, made by marginalized people that I think it's just yeah that effort that uh, people speaking out and saying like, this isn't okay. Uh, I think yeah, it's yeah. really, really done a lot of wonders for that. Have you have you tried other games other than Five E? Um, I haven't tried other games of D and D. I have been meaning to, mm-hmm. but I am into campaigns of D and D Five E currently. Sharday yeah. <laughs> um, is in four. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> and I'm trying to begin to DM myself as well. Yeah. Looking to start um a game of uh Ravenloft, mm-hmm. um Curse of Strahd specifically yeah. at some point. Um. So, yeah, I do really want to. We did try to play Call of Cthulhu, which I really liked because it was like a different um, format and different kind of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Rolling D100s and all that stuff. That was just a one shot that we did. Yeah. Um, but I really do want to try more different versions and just other tabletop role-playing games as well now that i'm sort of involved with tabletop role-playing games yeah 
through the podcast and stuff. Yeah. Do you have like your eyes set on any any specific games or systems? No, not really. So I'm really open minded. Mm-hmm. Um and I really just want to try different ones that will bring new things to the table. So the more different it is to what I've already done, the yeah. more likely it is that I will want to play it. Yeah. Um, but I think the question is trying to find people to play with and trying to find the time to play mm-hmm. them. Yeah, for sure. That is the real struggle uh, is the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know I have, like, especially now because of all of these bundles uh, that, uh, people are doing for charity and stuff like that there's so many uh independent games that i have uh, and so many of them just look absolutely amazing and uh yeah i don't know when i'm gonna get to play those but <laughs> but yeah. it, it probably won't be sued unfortunately um but yeah still still support those charities uh, uh i think that's all. oh definitely yeah. yeah um yeah so you know you talked about starting to get into dming uh what what is like is it just because of like the challenge or what has kind of inspired you to, to give that a shot? Um, well, I've been hearing that I should start DMing from Sharday and my roommate both, uh, <laughs> ever since I think maybe the first year into playing D and D. Yeah. And then they make a point of keeping, um, what they call DM secrets. So they'll talk to each other about their own campaigns, which they won't talk to other people who are not DMs because it's a DM secret and they have their own DM club where <laughs> they talk about their behind the scenes stuff to each other, but not anyone else because yeah. they're DMs. So I think that that was one of the things where I was annoyed at not being able to join in this discussion and felt completely left out, Yeah. Um, even though I'm not that bad at metagaming i'm pretty good at staying away from metagaming but mm. apparently that has no point when i'm not a dm apparently yeah. um and also i think i just i want to be able to tell my own story as well mm-hmm. use my own creativity um make my own world do like an experiment kind of thing yeah and so then are you just kind of using curse of strahd as like uh jumping off point as like you have a base now that you can learn from and then start to yeah so what i plan to do well i was going to do it a couple weeks ago um and i would have talked about it to you today but it didn't go through because mm-hmm. obviously scheduling is an issue the bane of all D groups is scheduling but i was gonna yeah. run um a the haunted house uh, which is the pre-Curse of Strahd one. Okay. The Yeah, it's like a mini where... Uh, it's not a module, but it's like the pre-Curses of Curse of Strahd where levels between one to three essentially go and do this um, haunted house, go through this haunted house, and there's like a preset story there. Yeah. Um. And I was going to do that for a few of my French friends. So it was like uh, sort of Curse of Strahd-like, mm-hmm. but with a Finnish twist to it. Yeah. So my friends are Finnish and they would appreciate that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's so much fun. Like, I think once you start to do it, you're going to just find yourself um, going bananas with it. Because I think that's like world building, if you enjoy it, is so addictive. Uh, yeah. You know, just <laughs> to constantly just be creating something and and uh yeah, it's so much so much fun. I mean, do you do you enjoy writing stuff too? I enjoy writing essays. Essays, yeah. Not so much not so much um stories. Like I I did have a a part of my life where I wrote short stories specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like investing into a big long form story, apparently, because that might be to do with me having to try and figure it out. So essays, essays can do. I love essays. I love uh, trying to like form an opinion and state a fact and, you know, like try to get people to join my point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
short stories will go because I I like to I like stories with like a twist to them yeah. as well. So if I get a an idea of a short story that I can like twist on its head, mm-hmm. I will write that. But then like the long form is no, that's just too much work. Yeah. Um but other than that, I don't write that much stories. Yeah. I do like telling them and I do like creating them, but mm-hmm. I think I I like experiencing things. I think it's more important for me to what I like about D&D is like being able to experience in person. Mm-hmm. And then the sad thing is you can't really relay that information to people who don't who aren't in that game. Like you're going to always tell how much fun you had. Yeah. But like for me it's just the experience of playing. It's the people in that specific scenario who said those exact words and we were all there and we experienced it. Yeah. And then it happened and then it ended. So for me, it's more of like that togetherness Mm -hmm. than it is about writing a story. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. No, I definitely get it. I think you're right. Like trying to get somebody who's not playing a game and who can't listen to what you just did. Like it, it really isn't the same uh the same thing i my wife after the first time i played she was like did you did you win and i was like that's that's not how it works that's not the point why are you playing (laughs) (laughs) i'm like you know i don't i don't want to take the time to talk about this (laughs) it's fine you don't have to enjoy it let's move on (laughs) but yeah it um it really is it really is so cool it's such a great experience and I, i think that's um i mean if you like you said if you can enjoy that experience of it i think it really helps um you know if you're able to like just be involved and be excited about what your friends are doing and what you're doing and uh be willing to like improvise a little bit and and, mm-hmm. and act a little silly and you know act out of your yeah. own character um yeah that's what makes it really really work so i love yeah. that yeah um so i mean obviously your show has a lot to do with feminism and so i'm curious like when did feminism as uh as a topic as an issue like become important to you i guess yeah like when did you like start to think about it as like this is something that i want to to talk about and probably i mean you know it could be from just the podcast but like you you're you are very informed about it so i'm just curious as to when that started i think i've always been sort of pro feminist mm-hmm. in my life i grew up with um strong female characters well people mm-hmm. in my life yeah um and and i've always sort of supported just anyone who i've always been a supporter of the underdog yeah um whether that's in stories or or in um in real life i I've, I've done so i did uh i did charity work or i've done volunteering like throughout my whole life mm-hmm. um for different uh charity organizations and i grew up in countries that i've seen i've seen how people aren't all you know privileged yeah. and don't get the raising of uh, that i did yeah so I recognize my privilege. I acknowledge my privilege and I try to stay humble um knowing that. Mm-hmm. But I think the feminism specifically for me came from university. So I think one of the things that led to us with Sharday starting the podcast was I was tasked uh in my university degree to do a project. This was a photography project. And the brief was to photograph a hidden community. Mm. And I didn't really come up with any ideas other than D&D. And I made the case to my photography professor and was like, look, 
the most hidden community that I know is a game of D&D <laughs> that doesn't stream anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's what we were. Um, it's mm -hmm. in, it was in person back then. It was yeah. in a room in somebody's house. Uh, you turned up, you had your character sheets. You, we had created our own system of language. We had our own rules, house rules, you know, the old, our own world, our own stories, our own characters, our own lingo. Mm -hmm. And through that, I sort of began this introspective uh, examination of the two groups that we were playing in. Yeah. And I interviewed Charday. I interviewed my other DM. And I started making the connection that there was a reason that we'd gotten together in yeah. the first place. And it all started with the bad experience in the mixed group. Mm -hmm. And whether or not that was conscious or subconscious, um, it was what led us to become this all female group of D&D players. And I think through that, when you, you know, you really start looking at like how everything connects together and you get introspective and you, I talked to all the players I did like a questionnaire, I would give them like a questionnaire about uh, what they thought about some of the themes that we were playing with. And then at some point I just, I thought, are we playing feminist D&D? Is that what this is? And I gave them a questionnaire of like what they thought um about feminist D, D and what that entailed yeah and then i asked the question are we playing feminist D D?" and all of them said i think so yeah yeah and then at that point i was like okay i think i've hit the nail on the head i found <laughs> the thing that makes us tick you yeah. know like because i was supposed to document like a hidden society and or community mm -hmm. and what you know really brought us together and i was like okay it's an obsession with matt mercer and it's feminism. Yeah. That's the two things that I'm like, the through line that has all connects everything together. Yeah. So after that, yeah, after that, we sort of, Chardin and I kept talking and we came up with the podcast eventually and we got, we saw some things that got us mad and that was our first episode. Yeah. And uh, so feminism has, to answer the question, feminism has sort of always been there in the background, I think. Yeah. But it really came out and I, I began seeing myself more as a feminist when I figured out that it was in my D&D games. Yeah. And then I incorporated that more into my personality after that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really I that's really cool. I can I can see, you know, similarly I think the podcast for myself, um, like when I initially started, I just wanted to just tell like give people the chance to tell their stories. Um Yeah. And I didn't really think too much about how like the impact of that or or the specifics of of whose stories I wanted to tell. I just I had a diverse diverse group of friends. Uh, that I knew mm -hmm. I would talk to first, and then I wanted to reach out to people from there. And as it kind of went off, I was like, "Oh yeah, like there's a very specific, very specific type of of stories I want to tell." Because I could literally just, I could just interview anyone, right? But I think, yeah. you know, interviewing people from marginalized communities has been something that's been like that just brings me joy, and I, I just love sharing that story. And so I think in that same way, like mm -hmm. it was like this is probably already going to happen in the back of my head. But realizing it and kind of putting those pieces together and having that light bulb moment of like, oh, like, yeah, this I'm actually tapping into something, mm -hmm. I think, uh, mm -hmm. really kind of just puts you down that path. Uh, and I think that's so cool that it, it, it helped to kind of open your eyes to that. I think that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> and it's true yeah. that, you know, it's interesting now looking at it all with like D&D &D of like, it was very much a very insular community thing. And even like yeah. a lot of people have like people who still have home games, for the most part, a lot of those games are very insular. Like you don't mm -hmm. hear about it. Like we, you know, it's more common now to share uh, D and D with you know the Twitter space or whatever. Um, yeah. 
but there's still like, you know, so many things go on in my home game that I'm just like, I don't talk about it really. Uh, sometimes I do. And, and yeah, uh, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, this was just amazing. Like this was the thing that I shared with, you know, three or four other people. Um, and we all loved it and we all had an amazing time. Uh, and mm-hmm. we'll do it again in mm-hmm. a week. <laughs> and it's just yeah. our thing. Uh, yeah. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Do, do you ever, have you ever considered, uh, like, doing any kind of performing or actual play type of stuff now that you're in the space? Um, I, I wouldn't turn down an opportunity to do that. Uh, I think. Yeah. I'd be completely terrified to be invited somewhere on a public space to play D&D <laughs> yeah. because it's because I've been doing it for me specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But no, I would take that as a challenge, uh, as a fun challenge and try to make a new fun character, try to push myself out of my comfort zone of the character characters yeah. that I've been making. But I would hope that it would be with people that I I don't want to play D&D with like strangers you know but it's difficult if you're invited to a game yeah because yeah no I agree D&D is is very yeah yeah. like your character is still you and getting into the wrong kind of group would be bad but then again you never know until you try. Yeah. I, I don't think I've never had like, I've never had a bad experience in that way. Um, I have played, like I played a game that wasn't D and D with strangers, but the person who's mm-hmm. running the game and who made the game was a person that I trusted pretty well. Um, yeah. So that made it a little bit easier. Um, and then I've been like, uh, as like a guest on other shows, um, where I was like a listener of the show. So it was like, I didn't know mm. the, all of the people there, but it was like, I was familiar with what was going on, with what the vibe was of the show. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. The, how the characters generally interacted, stuff like that. So that I think makes it easier. But yeah, somebody was just like, hey, you want to play in this game? Um, like just a DM to me, I would probably just decline because that yeah. would, I would not. I feel like you have to, you really have to take care of yourself, right? Um, yeah, especially in like a space that's so weird uh, as the internet and just like social media, where like there's yeah. a lot of amazing people, but there's also a lot of people that you just don't know, and that yeah, <laughs> that's kind it's, of scary. It's the internet. It everything you can't think take things at face value because right. people don't have faces; they have avatars. So yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So um, you the show does a ton of stuff uh Mm -hmm. where can people find the show um tell us about all the things that you're doing all the three three podcasts now right is it well i guess two and then the extra patreon stuff but yeah i'll let you explain yeah uh well once a month each month we uh churn out a new episode of the slovenly charles podcast Mm -hmm. uh a week ago was the newest one yeah um that's on all podcast platforms do I list them all? No, you're fine. <laughs> wherever you pod. That's what I always say. Yeah. Wherever you pod. Um, yeah, we started a new show with uh, our sister podcast uh, from from the sister, our sister podcast uh, with uh, Terry from our network. Mm-hmm. We started to do a weekly podcast that talks about TTRPG news. Where essentially the format is Terry will list things that are new in the TTRPG space, ask us if we've heard of it, we will say no, and then we talk about it. Yeah. He'll essentially tell us what it is and why it's important, and then we'll discuss that. Um, so that's called the Cape Trolls, also available where you bought. And then we have <laughs> stuff on Patreon now. That makes us money, and that's the strangest thing I keep thinking about and saying. Heck, yeah! I think it's uh, definitely check out the show. Um, I love it. It's been it's been so much fun to listen to. Uh, I think that you and Charde have such a great uh, relationship and a good and a great dynamic uh, when it comes to talking to each other. 
Um, and it was so much fun to listen to you. And I tease you, um, but uh, yes, this has been this has been a great time. <laughs> and I know you're not three foot eight or whatever I said. Um, and I know you're not the only I am host. five foot. <laughs> yeah. Exactly five Which, foot. So I am the equivalent of a one D and D square. So you can yeah. be one Lissa away from the monster <laughs> at any point in time. That is your that's your new metric uh for me- for measuring distance. Um Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you again uh, for for coming on and, and chatting with me, and, and this was a lot of fun just to get to know you a little bit more and, and share share your your story and your journey into to all of this crazy world that is talking about games. Mm, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or Anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. 